Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Henrik. This is Red Ice TV. It's a pleasure being back with you once again. It is uh, getting late here over in northern Idaho. It's uh, getting close to midnight, but uh, for our guest, it's uh, early in the morning over in Sweden. The Golden One joins us here today, and uh, he's back on the show. It was a while ago since we talked to him, and if you're not familiar with him, just a quick introduction here. He's probably best known kind of for his, you know, fitness and I'd say motivational work even. He's done stuff on mythology and, um, you know, European stories and things like that, but he's deeply entrenched, of course, in the political scene, I would say as well, the, the spectacle really that's unfolding in Europe right now uh, across the West. Uh, he's making videos, he, he posts on these kinds of topics. He's the author of the book Dauntless as well, which I don't think was out when we spoke to him last time. He has a clothing line, he has a line of uh, supplements, a kind of fitness related products as well. So he's been busy since we last spoke now i want to let him in on a little thing here too he has two daughters now congratulations marcus by the way we'll get to that Thank i you. think i think when we spoke last time i think maybe mine was rorik he was like two years old or rurik as i would say in swedish mm -hmm. he was two years old but now we have two boys and we have one girl and marcus i i realized last time you we talked back and forth a little bit uh we have the same name for our daughter sigrid uh, I yeah. I didn't know you picked that name, and I'm not sure you picked know that I picked that name. That's <laughs> funny, but I think we picked it independently of a child, which shows that it's a superior yeah. name, obviously, right? It but is, I think I, we can fight about the dates here. But I think my Sigurd might be like one month older than your Sigurd, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, ours came in in early May, so uh, probably. Oh, it's that recent. That's right. Okay, yeah, there you go. So for four, yeah, yeah. four months older, I think, then. So mm -hmm. anyway, congratulations, uh, fatherhood. Thank you. Good and stuff. Likewise. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> How does it feel? <laughs> it feels good. She started to smile and even laugh uh, now, so it's uh, it's quite magical. It's, of course, um, a bit of a change of pace, getting a second uh, daughter. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, when, when you get that feedback as it were when she starts recognizing you it's uh, absolutely magical so a lot to work of course uh maybe a few nights with suboptimal sleep uh but uh yeah it's it's worth it uh, when, it is when they start, you know, it doesn't last forever you know what i mean yeah it, that, it too, that too it doesn't last forever it uh it's a precious time and it will disappear but uh all right <laughs> it's good to good to uh, be back with you once again we might i might ask you a little bit later by the way if, you know fatherhood maybe there's some tips out there for the guys you have and so forth but uh Man, there, there, there's just a well. I mean, how do we how do we say this in a nice way? I don't think we can. It's been a shit show uh, in Europe since we last spoke. It's mm. slowly getting worse and worse. That's just the reality yeah. of it. We're slowly getting more. Uh, you know, we're slowly getting replaced with more and more migrants. Our borders getting open. The uh, LGBTQ push has has accelerated to an incredible rate in the West since we last spoke as well. And we've had. Hey, you know, I just mentioned a few of them, like a, a recent few attacks. We had one, of course, in uh, in Sweden. That wasn't a stabbing, by the way. That was a shooting. Farsta. I think that's just outside of Stockholm. Uh, three yeah, there's people. Plenty of shootings. I mean, plenty. The the entire Stockholm area. It's uh, it's not only one. It's uh, I don't even know how many. But yeah, it's, it, the the situation is quite quite severe. It is severe. Uh, a lot more yeah. so than than last time we spoke, and even back then. Uh, the situation was quite bad, but now it's yeah, it's escalated quite quite a bit, I would say. It has. You have so we have that in Sweden. Just one of the recent ones, right? But we have in uh, Nottingham, we had the uh, stabbing there too uh, by an African. In France, you had a Syrian, right? He was like running around on a play, a kind, you know, playground mm. essentially, stabbing kids, children sitting in in strollers. It's absolutely mm. insane. Um, 
What do you feel about this when you see all of this stuff? I mean, you can you can kind of be angry up to a certain point, but then you realize you have to start channeling that anger. You have to you have to make something kind of constructive out of that. Otherwise, it will just be blackpilling. It will just take you down. It will just be kind of turning into something negative, as opposed to like a fire in our asses that we need to mm. be able to turn this stuff around. What what do you feel when you see all this? Yeah. So basically, my my overall attitude is. Uh, and I actually write about this in my upcoming book as well about sort of propaganda. So you have, you know, the initial the initial anger, which I suppose most of us, most of our audience now, we felt this initial anger many years ago. I certainly did. So now I've gotten to the stage where I try to. So I haven't watched any of these videos. There was a video from France again uh, two days ago I think I didn't watch the video but of course I knew only you know I scrolled quickly past it on Twitter but I shared the news itself and my overall take is that it's good to share these videos with a segment of the population that hasn't perhaps yet been exposed to the the nightmare of the multicultural hell project but if you are already on board if you already know that the only thing that can save european civilization is a mass uh, it's a large-scale uh, repatriation process then it it can be you know quite demoralizing uh, and quite horrible to i don't find a better word it's quite horrible to see all of these things um i'm already on my path i know what i'm doing i'm trying to change the narrative trying to set a high pace in the um in the metapolitical uh so we can change the overton window what you've been doing for a lot longer than i have uh, this is what i'm doing this is what i'm focusing on so on a personal note i don't need to see it but it's also good to share this these horror stories with individuals who perhaps haven't woken up so to speak yet uh because also that's something to to point out that in Sweden, for example, you've had a segment of the population, say men, well-off men in their 60s. They have gone to school in a homogenous Sweden. They've gone to work at a homogenous office, you know, with other Swedish men and maybe some, you know, German doctor or, a, you know, Greek engineer or whatever. So well-integrated Europeans and they think, oh, look how, how well the multicultural project is working because I have these nice immigrant friends and my uh, my doctor is from Iran uh, so they sort of don't know the um, the backside of the story this uh, this horror story so I'd say it's good to still get the message out there about these things but on a personal note I try to to limit this uh, this black pills but um yeah so it's different for for different people but of course i get angry uh, still get angry i think um, you have to be i think i think it's inhuman not to we i mean yeah <laughs> to, yeah to not feel hate i mean there was like look the nottingham thing we, we talked about that in, in a pri prior show but you know just to go into that a little bit with three people there that were uh killed and um the mom, you know, kind of as usual, the mom came out, let's not use this for hate, you know, of one of the victims mm. there and, you know, doing the usual spiel and everybody is having their vigils and their thoughts and prayers and stuff like that, as opposed to actually getting to like, well, what? how do we stop this? This is obviously yeah. not a singular kind of occurrence, right? So you get that like ethnomasochism, I guess, the, really the best word for it. 
where they continuously are kind of counter signaling all of this. But we have to, yeah. I, I think the best way is to face, we have to face that reality. We can't hide from that. And, and you know, oh, it, it hurts and stuff and it's painful, but feeling hate is probably the most fundamental human emotion we can feel at, at things like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I will say something here as well regarding like the, the mental game uh, propaganda and how, you know, how we view ourselves. Um, it is important to point out that whites are victims. Uh, I don't like to say this as a, you know, a, a proud man myself. I don't like to view myself in that way. And for younger white men, it's very important to present them with images of them being victors. Um, so for a certain segment of the population, so young white men primarily, they need to be in the mindset of still being capable and tough so that they understand that they can fight and defend themselves because if they only see uh, videos of white guys being beaten up by a group of others that might put them in a constant state of you know them feeling like losers and that will impact how they carry themselves however it's still important for the for most individuals for most of the population to understand that whites are victims uh, it pains me to say but it's true and it's something that we need to point out to everyone who wants to listen that what is going on right now be it in good old america or good old europe or australia it's at the expense of white people and it can be such a thing as a rape a stabbing a shooting um higher property uh costs you know young white couples don't have the um the money to to buy property because it's being bought up by by others um so first thing is to simply recognize that we are victims now of course on a personal note on a personal level this isn't something that you should you know view yourself as but it's important in our narrative we need to say that you know this hell project mass immigration um even the lbtq uh, propaganda it's something that is bad for for us and we are victims of said policies that is the first step in my view to at least start to start to combat it via you know metapolitical and political measures uh so it's a bit of a double-edged sword you don't want to blackpill too much you don't want to expose yourself too much to um your own side losing uh, perhaps i've mentioned this before but you can actually raise your testosterone by being on the winning side of a computer game so if you play with five friends you play dota 2 or something or whatever it might be you win you will get a small spike in testosterone now it's very small it is not significant but it still shows that when you are on the winning side uh, same thing if you're watching a sports ball game by the way if your side wins you get a, a rush of um still a small rush what if you what if you play the game like a, a sport that's more i would assume do you know yeah 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 i i don't know the exact amounts but i i know that you can either play uh it can be a physical sport or even a computer game <laughs> and you can watch your side win so when your mind interprets your own side as winning then you will get a, a boost in confidence basically so right. that's also yeah. what i mean if you're a young guy uh and you are already red pilled then it's more important for you to watch uh, videos of you know other strong white men who are capable and who are doing stuff but if you are a an older woman or an older man then um it might be a good idea to to awaken yourself to the the horrible reality that uh, that is facing many of our people 
Exactly. And I mean, I, I've got to say, too, I mean, we should blame, obviously, the people that are doing this, the perpetrators. Uh, they're not guiltless here. They obviously bear a, a huge responsibility. And in some cases, it's, oh, well, they're mentally ill or whatever. It's, but the, the overarching issue here is, of course, we have hostile forces in our respective countries uh, that have turned against their own people. And it's people like this with, with their refugees welcome uh, uh, campaigns and hashtags and stuff like that. I, I'd even include some of the organizations out there, you know, from from uh, Israel and, and in, the, in the U.S. You have Hyas and things like that. There's other, many others, of course, t- tons of these NGOs. They're making money on it. They're uh, digging into, you know, whether it's in the U.S., it's the federal trough, as they say. Uh, in Europe, there's other kind of grants that they're given, these organizations. Uh, so they're making money on it, uh, and then they kind of can put themselves on the moral high horse at the, at the same time. And look, look at how good I am because I'm, like, advocating for the replacement of our people. But it's really people like this uh, that I think... Look, we, we have to, of course, tackle the, the physical threat on the streets as well. So I'm not saying ignore that, but I'm saying a lot of the focus needs to be of trying to get to the root of the problem. These people, to a certain extent, are kind of just responding to impulses. It's just kind of how many of them are in their own countries as well. So we have to really try to pinpoint, well, who do we blame and how do we move forward and try to like you know counteract this so we can turn it around? What, what, do, you, what do you think about this? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So again, we have you know on the on the street level, so to speak, the the advice uh, we could give to young uh, men and women who are still they can't really escape the uh, they can't escape Gotham City. So Gotham City is my catch-all phrase for you know a, a rundown Western city full of uh, full of others and uh, degeneracy and stuff like that. So on that level, it's of course a very immediate response they have to group up and and train and everything like that. Situational awareness is the key. That is actually, if I could tell every every white person on earth something, it would be just situational awareness uh, that's the number one key but yeah as you say we need to get to the the push and pull factors uh, especially on our side the pull factors so what what is pulling all of these immigrants from the third world what is pulling them towards our nations uh, and of course to take a, a very real example from sweden and this became apparent in the last election you have left-wing parties and they collaborate with the local imam of a certain place, a certain suburb to Stockholm. And by the way, for our American listeners here, a suburb in Sweden is something um, is something bad. A suburb is not something good. So förort in Swedish, it's a, it's a bad a Euphemism for a diversity ghetto, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It is. So the suburbs, so they say to the local imam, okay, I'm just making making an example here, uh, based on based on real examples. But it, they say to the local imam, "Here you have a grant for a mosque. Can we count on all of your, you know, all of the ones who are under your influence? Can we count on them voting all of them for the leftist party, Vänsterpartiet, or the so- social democrats, or whatever it might be?" So they have that sort of deal, and really fun thing here, or fun i don't know if it's fun but uh, interesting that they uh, actually staged a coup in one of these uh, suburbs recently where they voted out the the swedish social democrats so the yeah the originally corrupt politicians to vote in a uh, um yeah whatever ethnicity it was so the deal they have or the unofficial deal is that 
they give welfare and they get votes in return. So a very clear example is, you know, the left-wing parties importing individuals who will vote for them. So I'd say that highlighting that uh, corruption, I suppose we can call it, highlighting that to the segment of the Swedish population that are still thinking that social democrats, so that's the original workers party, they need to know that these guys, they are not on your side, they are not on the side of Swedish workers. And something to keep in mind here as well, uh, for all, all non-Swedes, which majority of listeners, I suppose, that for old people, this is something a, a teacher once told me, that for old people, politics is religion. So for them, for an old working class man or woman to, to not vote for the social democrats it's sort of like yeah converting to a different religion right uh, if you're yeah. a protestant christian your entire life and then when you're 70 years of age you you convert to catholicism so it's a big step now of course many older people they have gone to the sweden democrats already but this still especially in the north of sweden which has always been very red it is um yeah it's a big step to take and i think in exposing the corruption of the modern social democrats because the social democrats they did some good stuff back in the day when they were still concerned with the well-being of the swedish population but now if we can just point that this is how they get their votes they are not working for the benefit of the swedish working class if we can even say that there is such a thing as a swedish working class you know we have a a very big middle class in sweden and then now of course as of late we have a, an imported um proletariat uh, basically which yeah. are the, the new the new darlings of the left so they took the swedish working class throughout the window replaced with people they can count on for votes because these um, these groups these blocks uh, of third world immigrants they're of course dependent upon welfare grants as well so it's you give us votes you give us welfare so um yeah, that is but one of many examples we can uh, we can take. Yeah, I mean, uh, European politics overall, we, we do have some developments. I mean, we, let's, we can take a stick in Sweden a little bit longer. Sweden Democrats did very well in, in the last election. Yeah. They're the second largest party now. Mm -hmm. And then they went into this kind of bizarre coalition of sorts, right, with the uh, conservatives, the, the the Christian Democrats. Um, is there another party in that mix? Liberals. Liberals, liberals. Uh, which is kind of odd, right? Because it, it's not the same, exactly the same liberals as in you know America think of. This is more economically oriented liberals. But hey, look, most of the most all of them are pro LGBTQ now. I mean, in in that sense, they're still all liberal, right? But anyway, they, they went together. They're doing this new kind of um, basically Sweden Democrats ends up kind of outside of the. Um, the major roles, as if I'm, 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 I'm representing this correct here, right? They do get important like ministerial positions and things like this, but there are a couple of other things that they're kind of left out on. But it seems that the moderate party, which of course the the prime minister now, uh, Ulf Kristersson, he's 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 a prime minister. He's heading up the moderate party, or used to head up the moderate party. Uh, I'm not sure if they outmaneuvered the Sweden Democrats or how much power they have. But it looks like they kind of ended up on the sidelines a little bit and and not much have happened. Uh, I thought that they would have even more influence. What's what's your um, perception of this, Marcus? Um, so I'd say that there's been a lot of 
political intriguing, so Byzantine levels of uh, intriguing in the political system now, so they have spent a lot of is wheeling and dealing, and I would say that the the more visible positions have gone to the mainstream parties, so Moderaterna, Liberalerna, and uh, Centerpartiet, no, not Centerpartiet, sorry. Uh, the Christian, Christian Democrats, Democrats, right? Yeah. The, yeah, Christian Dem Democrats. Uh, but I say, I would say that the Sweden Democrats, they've still managed to get some influential positions more behind the scenes, so to speak. So I do believe that the Sweden Democrats are playing it for, for, for the long in the longer perspective. Uh, so I think they're quite secure in um, a growing uh, amount of voters for every election. I mean, it's been a quite rapid um, rapid rise for them. And to just take, to, to give an example of how fast things have gone, metapolitically speaking, over the last, um, say, 10, 13 years, I remember back in 2010 um, and, um, yeah, I, I will use an example from I was at a university then in Uppsala, which is quite leftist. And um, I don't remember exactly how we got into it, but this was after the election. And I said in in a situation, I said, yeah, that I it became clear that I had voted for the Sweden Democrats and the, the room went like cold in an instance. <laughs> Everyone was like very, very uncomfortable all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, it was fun. And of course, this was, I wasn't a public figure. I was just a, a student giving my giving my take on, on the situation. But the, the overall, perhaps you remember this as well, back in 2010, the Sweden Democrats, they were like the devil. The devil has gotten into the parliament and the, the world will collapse. And yeah. now complete meltdown, <clears throat> complete meltdown in basically all of Swedish society. Now, however, yeah, I mean, many people you meet, regular normies who 13 years ago, they would have never said anything critical of mass immigration. But now they can say, yeah, we need to start sending people back. We need to do this and that. And of course, I vote for the Sweden Democrats uh, and stuff like that. So the, the Overton window uh, might be hard to see from the outside. But if you followed the just the, the pulse of the Swedish metapolitical climate for some time, it's drastically shifted and i do believe that these other parties especially the the moderates they have gone quite far to the right as well or far to the right they're still uh they're still liberals and everything like that and they had uh we had a prime minister Fredrik reinfeldt and he he must have hated uh sweden i can't imagine oh, he did. otherwise 100 yeah hated the the swedish population so he wanted to make sweden into a mini america just wasn't his, wasn't his grandfather like an African or something like that? Or like he had some... Yeah, he had some, some back. Yeah, and he, yeah. he felt uh, like I he, don't think... he picked up on that. And, he, you know, maybe maybe he didn't feel 100% switch. I'm not sure, but something was going yeah, on I'd there. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say uh, I think it was further back still. Uh, but okay. he had some, yeah. some non-Swedish in his background. And I do believe that made him not feel quite at home in Swedish society. He wanted to, like many others do, they they want to make it into a melting pot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the thing here with the moderates, I do believe that his you know insane policies, they were quite unpopular with many moderates. And they now, they see an opportunity to go back further, again, right, I mean, in, in a normal position. Uh, now, of course, this uh, Christesson, Ulf Christesson, in his youth, like many people were, uh, he was a very, 
you know, pro pro immigration, um, uh, perhaps not libertarian, but very uh, very keen on this right-wing economic policies and when i say right-wing i mean that in the sense of you know free enterprise and stuff like that um but this guy now and i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt now perhaps he has seen this this isn't working uh we need to do something because after all i mean these individuals they live in stockholm uh they work in stockholm they have children going to school in stockholm uh they see shootings every other day they see robberies they see all manner of bad things so i mean they they can escape more than uh, a normal swedish family can but it's still not an impossibility that bad things will happen to their families because of the policies they have supported so i mean if i'm being generous here uh i could say that many of these politicians they of course they have pressure from outside uh, from the deep state or however we shall call it but i still think that there is a will to sort of crack down upon the the criminal gangs at least so perhaps they don't want to you know initiate a large-scale repatriation process but i do believe that they want to uh sincerely want to um uh, be a bit stricter at least yeah i mean i'm showing that uh, article there this was written by ulf kisses on our, our prime minister and mm-hmm. it, it definitely it, it ups the rhetoric a little bit at least i mean the danger here is there's a lot of talking and that could even be just a political, you know, Byzantine maneuvering, essentially, where they basically say, well, let's just steal popularity from the Sweden Democrats and deflect the whole situation and let's erase the rhetoric, but actually not do anything about it. That's from my vantage point, that's the most likely thing that's going on mm-hmm. right now. If they do something about it, great. Right. But I saw people writing about this particular article from Aftonbladet. They were like, oh, you know, uh, it doesn't work. They have to go back. There was like tweets seen a, a million times about that, you know, and, and of course that was misrepresented. He didn't say they have to, I wish he said they have to go back. No. He didn't. <laughs> yeah. He said uh, it doesn't work, as you said. We need a comprehensive immigration reform. He did say that he wanted some of the strictest immigration policy in the EU, which is definitely a good start. But you have that, I still have that sense. I want to get your take on this, but I have this, there's this danger where they basically want they want to integration doesn't work right so then they think okay we have to just do it better right so that they can become part of us they w- truly want these people to become swedish right even if they try to look uh, like us or appear like us at least or or fit in you know kind of act like us to a certain extent and my feeling ha- have always been Look, it's obviously bad if we have like essentially colonies in our countries of, of foreigners who are in there. But at least then if they remain separate from us, I think where we want to take things, which of course let let these people go back to their countries. This is obviously not working kind of thing. That's going to be very much easier if they're not very well integrated in, and embedded into our society kind of thing, right? And this guy is like, no, no, no we, we need to do it right essentially so that the melting pot works. That's a little bit of what I'm sensing here too. They're saying it's going too fast. Too many people are now just becoming negative towards the situation. They don't want this anymore. They're turning against it. And guys like this says, we got to slow this down so that the big, you know, melting pot experiment actually works. What do you think? Yeah, so basically the a fundamental difference, we can trace it back to the, the French Revolution. And this is also my take on the situation in France. Uh, same as my take on, well, America or Sweden or any any Western country that we are, uh, the, the reigning 
reigning um, ideology has been liberalism for a long time. Tabula rasa liberalism that states that every human is a is a blank page, and you know when you're you're born as a blank page, so therefore you can become whatever you want. And by the way, the transgender um, thing that is going on that's a logical conclusion of liberalism in in my humble opinion so if uh, if an African be can become European then a man can become a woman um, according to their worldview so for them hardcore liberals they've grown up as liberals that has been the major religion in uh, in the West for a long time now for for a Frenchman who's been on that side because the the conflict between royalists and liberals in France, perhaps it isn't so visible anymore, but it's been a massive scar on the soul of France for uh, over 200 years. And for them to then say, yeah, we were we were wrong. Liberalism isn't actually a good thing because right. of biology, because yeah. humans are you know, we're born with very many pages of our book. 99 pages are already filled out with, you know, blood memories, um, genetics, everything like that. Then we can write the last page maybe and give over the book to our to our children who then also they start with 100 pages and, and can fill out the 101st. Uh, so for them, all of these liberals, including Ulf Kristersson, to admit all of these third world immigrants they can't fit into European society because tabula rasa is a lie. I mean, that would be the equivalent of a hardcore Christian to say that that Jesus isn't divine or something like that. It's a it's a massive thing to acknowledge. So I th I think that is the main thing for them. Just an ego, an ego thing born out of their um, loyalty to liberalism, basically. And I. I think that can explain so many things. Uh, and of course, it's a big step for even a, even a conservative to say, yeah, I, I was wrong. Tabula rasa liberalism, it's, it's not a thing. It's not real. Uh, so I think that is. And then, of course, here we come into the metapolitical, uh, like you have been doing for a very long time, like I've been doing for a few years now, that we just keep hammering this point that, you know, um, Race is not a societal construct, but society is a racial construct. That is just a point we need to keep hammering in. And when people, when that becomes a truth again that we can all agree upon, which I mean, mo most normal individuals, most sane individuals, they understand with perfect clarity. Then you have some hardcore white liberals. They do not acknowledge it, but if we can, you know, just show that. Uh, that race isn't isn't skin deep. You know the the most uh, differences are in the brain, how we view ourselves, how we view others, how we treat others. Such a thing as empathy, such a thing as conscientiousness. Um, I'm not even talking about IQ levels because I don't think that's super interesting. I think the interesting things when it comes to cognitive differences between races, uh, yeah, empathy, conscientiousness. Uh, low time preference, uh, impulse control, all yeah, of these things. Temperament, right? There's yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So then we know that you know, for if you have a place such as Iceland, you can have a, a basically a libertarian society because you don't right. need a hard hand because people are they're policing themselves because the for a Northman nothing is worse than shame. 
Yeah. Uh, so your your own sort of sense of of glory, honor, and shame, those direct your life. But for a population that um, doesn't quite share the same metaphysical underpinnings of his worldview, then you might need a harder a harder hand. And you know, conservatives they they point to Islamic countries. They say, oh how how tough they are, how bad Sharia law is, but that's quite arrogant because Sharia law it has you know it is there for a reason. Yeah. They have tough laws for a reason because they yeah. need to have tough laws. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that Islamic countries are good, but I'm saying that in those situations they have adapted, they have embraced these laws, these cultural norms for a certain reason. Uh, we haven't needed to for other reasons. We have different norms for different reasons that can be traced back to biology and history and everything like that. So the if we can present uh, an image to all of these liberals, and I'm including conservatives here, so I'm talking yeah. about liberals from, from the 1700s, so tabula rasa liberals, that we need to present them. Here is a book of this individual. It goes on for a thousand pages. The last page you can fill out yourself, but the story is basically already set. Then you have spectacular individuals, of course, someone like, like Napoleon, he writes 50 pages of his book. Uh, so of course you can change destiny. I'm not a, I'm not a determinist in any way. I'm a firm believer in free will, but I'm also saying that when we look at averages, which we need to do when we're talking about politics, we can't just look at individuals. Then we need to look at you know the the background, the biology, everything like that. Uh, so I'd say that can explain so many things. The uh, the 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 liberal narrative of society it needs to go for the for for Ulf Kirsteson, the PM in Sweden. This is isn't this more about just a survival instinct now kicking in because he's he's realizing he's being uh, th th there's other up and coming parties Sweden Democrats we can talk about the alternative for Sweden later there have some issues there too uh, problems right now but you yeah. know th th they're they're gaining more and more traction and, and for for a liberal that's not tied to like a political position like him or or being in that position where he's like you know want to be the head of a party or he wants to be prime minister whatever. For them, maybe they can they can go on with their their cult, the religion of liberalism, much longer. This guy is kind of doing it just out of self preservation in a way. Like, okay, I'm seeing what's happening. It's like I'm not going to be in this position and have any political power if these trends continue, because we're seeing clearly what an up you know what an upshot how quickly uh, the Sweden Democrats have shot up. It's only what is it what twelve. Yeah, thirteen years basically since they mm. came into parliament, it became you know uh, uh, got a, got seats there. So that's a, yeah. a very, I mean, extremely quick. And so for him, he has to kind of adapt to this, which which is good because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we can if we can have politicians changing their tune, if they can at least start restricting immigration and thinking about repatriation or taking care of illegal immigration. These are all positive trends that needs to happen, and we need to go in this direction. We need something to happen, even if it's not like the final fix to the to, to the situation, which I don't think politics is, frankly. But mm. we need kind of like like you said before, right? We we need those small victories, even for morale, right? To boot, to feel that it's going in the right direction. I feel even like reading things like this. I know it's like okay, this might not change much, 
but I still get you know a little kick out of it. Like, look, like they wouldn't have said this just um, maybe four or five years ago, and now they're forced to recognize this. They're conceding our <laughs> our worldview is 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 slowly um, seeping into these people's realities, and they're realizing that they can, they can't live in this dream uh, fantasy uh, world anymore. Yeah, definitely true. And this is also uh, such a massive victory, just them recognizing first and foremost that unlimited mass immigration is bad. Now, of course, it's it's laughable for all of us to have to recognize that everyone should be able to understand. But in Sweden for a long time, if you even said, I think we should have a reasonable immigration, okay, then you were a hardcore fascist, basically, who, who was uh, really hateful of others. So that shift has already occurred that you can say now that I want to limit immigration. Uh, then, of course, for us, we need to start talking about active re-immigration. Yeah. So deporting people who have misbehaved and set, etc. But the that particular victory. So you can say that we have taken that step. Now, the next step is to get people to understand why they can't fit in and why yeah. these individuals are acting in this way um when when they come here and then also of course the um i know in denmark they did something there that they they basically stole the so a bigger party basically stole the immigration platform of uh, a populist nationalist party to great success and i mean that's uh, it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter who, in a way right yeah, exactly no. it, it it can be it can be the sweden democrats it can be the moderates, it can be whomever, as long as they start getting Sweden back in, in a good shape. And, and uh, as long and as they stick to it, that would be the big issue, right? I, I can understand yeah, yeah. you don't trust the news, you know, a snake shows up and just you know mm -hmm. tries to weasel his way into a situation. But as, as long as they stay to it and stay true to that, then, then it's fine. But if they start backtracking, then it's a problem, you know? Yeah, definitely. Something else I thought to mention that Moderaterna, the moderates and the Sweden Democrats, they I think they understand this with perfect clarity that they know they have this mandate period, this four years, maybe next. But if they don't start dealing with leftist corruption, uh, they will not win. They will not win another election because of demographics, basically. So yeah. they need to start dealing with that. And I do believe that's a good first step that they are actually doing that they're looking at social democratic, you know, um, dodginess, I don't find a better term, but I, I don't want to call it necessarily direct corruption, uh, because that's an allegation I'm not willing to make, but sort of things that Perhaps they aren't illegal, but they also don't want to be brought to light. So I think the the Sweden Democrats and the moderates, they are playing it for the long run. And first on the agenda is to clear out a lot of um, yeah, dodginess, to yeah. put it like that. Then they can start to implement policies that will actually make Sweden better, such as you know um, tougher crimes. Because now in the Swedish deep state, if we can call it that, we have many individuals, many older Swedish women who are the most fundamentally religious uh, leftists. So we can, you know, the, to take the the comparison with early Christians who went around uh, went around defacing pagan statues with that religious fervor in their eyes, just hell bent on changing society. The equivalent now, older we call them batik hexor. Yes, tie dye uh, witch. Yeah. 
tie-dye witch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we have those individuals who are, you know, they don't care if some some criminal gang is shooting up whatever it might be because they're I think still they get so... a kick out of it. I, I think they, if that yeah. if that's like if they feel that right wingers are pissed off at that or get irritated or or angry. I think they see that as a win. That that's what I think is about. They don't care about the order yeah. and the structure of society. They just, you know, the more chaos the better, I think for them. Yeah, definitely because in their religious upbringing, uh when I say religious, I mean religious, politically religious, you know, cultural marxist um upbringing, guys like you and me, uh, you know, normal family fathers who are interested in you know, running society in a good way, we are the devil. We are evil. That is what they have been taught. Because the white, the straight white man, uh, the patriarch, he is responsible for all the the world's evil. That is their foundational story. So just as a as a Christian of the early, the first centuries AD, they were told, you know, these pagan gods, they are demons. The statues, they need to be torn down and defaced because they uh, contribute to the evil. So we can see the same thing now when they're tearing down statues of white men. Same thing. Uh, so back in the day, there were pagan gods. So we are the the pagan gods of the modern day. You and I, Henry. Yeah. No. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's something. That's a that's a badge of honor right there, I guess. But yeah, no, mm -hmm. it's true. I mean, it, it is a uh, it is a cultural revolution. Uh, it is uh, the great leap forward. They call it in China. New terms they're using now is essentially the Great Reset, and that's that's all part of it. it it's it's a you know Christianity is year zero, right? And we have now we have a new religion and now new cult coming in, and they're yeah. pushing the reset button again, and everything will be re rewritten. Uh, mm. I mean, look, we're facing completely different challenges uh, in in a way, and even technologically, it's all you know it's bizarre because you can actually now redo history you can unwrite things if it's all on the internet and 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 if you're getting you know reading stories online even about history it can be changed in instantaneously on your screen you know by artificial intelligence and things like that so it's very it's frightening where we are going but the but the analogy is there i, I totally agree we're we're in front of that we're, we're facing a very much of a similar situation overall so how do we how do we deal with that? I mean, we talk about politics here and much of me is like, you know, it, it, that's too slow. There is no political solution. And I understand all those arguments. Uh, it's some people think it's almost better to just accelerate this, just make sure that it gets as worse as possible, the quicker so that we get a count, mm -hmm. strong counter reaction and stuff like that. What do you think we what do you think we should do? How could, how do we best spend our time uh, trying to solving things should we focus on zones for swedes like certain areas like let's move here and you know have as many kids as we can i mean i think all of the above but what, what, what do you think uh yeah first and foremost i've seen this accelerationist position before but i'm just gonna use an analogy here so you have two guys fighting one guy has been knocked down the other guy is above him uh, you know kicking him in the head when he's down and then you have spectators saying oh maybe if he gets kicked in the head some more he will get angry and fight back i mean no that's that's not how it goes it's it's never good to keep losing or just take such a thing as a football game is it good to let the other go the other team score a lot of goals so that your team will be more motivated to win. No, you're just putting yourself in a bad situation. So accelerating things is not good in the list. Uh, what I view it is as is a tug of war and um, 
you know, a struggle that takes place in every, basically in everything we do. We can talk about the erasure of history that you just mentioned. That is something that the left, they are, you know, putting a really high pressure on. You can see this um, historical dramas on Netflix. They're portraying Achilles as black. They're portraying, um, you know, Cleopatra as black instead of a Macedonian Greek. Uh, so that is you know, just one area where they're attacking us. They want to put, present the Western hunter-gatherers. So, you know, part of our ancestry, they want to portray them as having African features, but in actuality, they looked like us, but, you know, with with dark hair and a bit darker skin than I have now, uh, so not super dark, uh, but they interpret that as being, you know, they present them as being Africans. So you have all of these attacks all the time, and for us, the... There isn't a, there isn't any any one solution, but you just have to view it as a tug of war that takes place in basically every every aspect of everything. So we need to, you know, we have individuals who are taking the political, so realpolitik, that fight. We have individuals such as you who have taken the metapolitical fight for a long time. Super important to shift the narrative of who we are. Uh, the narrative of where we're going, uh, what is a good society, everything like that. Also important, then we have the business aspect. We need to build businesses so that we can support each other. So building a separate economy. Um, having children, of course, uh, that's not the, the only solution. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have children. Uh, and uh, you know, can never have too few with... white children. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we need more folks. So, so get on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So that's that's something. And then, as you say, I mean, pure. I mean, the the goal is, of course, to for individuals with a sound worldview to assume political power, so that we can start a large scale repatriation. That is the goal, and it needs to happen via politics. Um, so if we're sort of relinquishing the political fight, then we will be ruled by others who will then come out to our homesteads and, and confiscate our properties and, and take our children into custody. So, I mean, that is a fight we need to take. But in the meantime, of course, I don't want to live in a, I don't want to live in a city. I want to live in a, in a smaller society, perhaps not outright on the countryside, but in a community where I know my neighbors, when I know their children, where they know me, we all know what to expect from each other. And should something bad happen, we have five guys ready to, five fathers ready to go out in a car with, um, yeah, ready to to repel whatever threat. So that is yeah. a, something that needs to be done now. And of course, for our children also to know where, where to go, where to not go, to have friends to go with. So you have these solutions we need to adapt now. And then for the long term, of course, changing the metapolitical, continuing to push the Overton window, which we have done now successfully. And that's why individuals in Sweden can say that I am I am for repatriating individuals who have misbehaved. You couldn't do that, as I said, 13 years ago without being labeled as a, as the devil himself. So we need to continue to push that. And then, of course, the political the, the political fighters who are doing the nitty-gritty, they also, I, I tip my hat to them, they're doing good work. Many of them are a bit corrupt, but at the same time, if they are pushing things in a right direction, if they they have their hands on the levers of power, 
uh, they can actually, you know, make the decisions that will ultimately be be good. Then, uh, then, then I am happy. So I'd say that there isn't any one solution. The the struggle it takes place in in basically everything we do. We can take something unrelated to demographic change. We can take such a thing as pornography, which I've talked about for many years now. You know that is a struggle. Any young man, it's sort of like an initiation. When when does a young man cast off the yoke of pornography? Yeah, then he has overcome himself. So that is a fight also, again, unrelated to demographics, but a very important part of modern society that you have to sort of reject the that side as well. So it's um, the, the struggle, it takes place uh, absolutely everywhere. Yeah, it's a personal one. It's a collective yeah. one. It's a mental one. It's a physical one. We need to fight on every every level, and you can't fight, you know, yourself on all the levels all, all time. That's you know, that's what we need. As you say, we need people in that political sphere, and uh, you know, it, there's a lot of people there too. And it's like you just mentioned voting, and it's like, ah, it's over. There's no political solution, kind of thing. I was like, well, our, our enemies have used this system against us for decades now, and they're the ones yeah, who are passing laws. They're changing. It is working. It's working for them. Yeah. We and, yeah. and you know. That's part of, of course, why we need to wake up our people. We need them to understand how severe the situation is. And with that, hopefully at least, we don't have ideal candidates and, and many of them are flawed. And there's, as you said, there's corruption, there's problems and stuff, but we have to keep trying. You have to keep trying to have younger guys getting into politics, you know, with a with a somewhat of a clean um, <laughs> reputation and things like this and and try and keep doing it. I, I definitely see that that's part of it. it. It's not everything. And and even if we got all the right politicians in place, man, do we have issues overall as, as a culture, as a society, the, the mentality as we have, right? So it's, it's on every front. We're getting we're getting the political systems that we deserve in a way, or, or as some people say, we get we're getting the the quality of the people we're getting is because we're tolerating them right and 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 we're not doing anything about it so so it is it is our fault so to speak you know there's an awful lot of crimes that are being done against us and an awful lot of subversion and propaganda and all these kinds of crazy things uh, but at the end of the day we we have primarily ourselves to blame collectively speaking right what do you think yeah, I mean, definitely, as Guillaume Fay so eloquently put it, the uh, the French themselves are the artisans of France's destruction. And uh, yeah, it is true in Sweden as well. Uh, of course, we can point to to other groups who are working in the interest of their their ethnicity, which I mean, of course they do. Uh, why wouldn't they? Uh, the the issue is that we have many Swedes who are who are not working for our interests. And besides. We're not racist enough. We're not ethnocentric kind of, enough. No, we're um, not. <laughs> so uh and I mean the and this is something I, I, I will admit that I get I try to not get too angry because I want to be calm and, and nice and pleasant, uh because it's good for the long in, in the long run. But something that makes me angry is the notion just knowing how many Swedes have voted for these mainstream parties when they know perhaps they haven't wanted to acknowledge it to themselves but they have voted still for parties that have been for the the multicultural health project now i'm not gonna dwell upon it but also 
Yeah, it is something to be said. Many Swedes, they have voted for policies that have been catastrophic. Uh, and that's, you know, we, we need to keep it uh, keep it in mind going forward. Um, now, thankfully, many Swedes have started to to wake up, so to speak. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we have uh, we have a lot to work on ourselves. Oh, yeah. Definitely. For sure, for sure. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick break, and we're going to be back uh, in part two here with the Golden One, Marcus Fulin. Uh, give us some of your website, of course, the GoldenOne.se, but I mentioned it in the intro. Uh, you have a clothing line, Legio Gloria. You have uh, a supplement line. I think that's both in Swedish, and is it an EU site? Uh, do you sell any uh, of this in the US? Tell us about it. Yeah, sure. So the, so the, the clothing line is my main... Uh, my main heart project. Uh, I am trying to channel the spirit of Hugo Boss as a clothing clothing designer. Nice. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy with uh, with the progress here. Um, and then of course, yeah, the supplements. We do have a, a Swedish page, jutenheimnutrition.se, and uh, an EU page, which is the same address but without .de, so you name nutrition.de. Uh, and then in America, we have a smaller operation, you name nutrition.com. So yeah, sell basically stuff I use myself. So I'm I'm the first customer of all of the things. And then I, I have a big stash, which people can buy from also. Awesome. That's how it's it's got to be that way. You got to you got to use uh, yourself what you're what you're selling. That's that's how you get success success parts as well. All right. So the golden one that's uh, the main website here. You can find uh, Marcus on Twitter as well, of course, under at the glorious lion uh, telegram. He's big on telegram too. make sure you follow him over there. T.me slash the golden one. That's some of the channels. We'll have some links down below as well. But I want to continue uh, and ask the golden one more about, you know, the political situation. But there's some other stuff I want to get into as well. Motivation, uh, what we can what we can look to maybe in our records and things like that for uh, for inspiration. There's so many other things, maybe fatherhood, maybe the NATO question. I got to ask you about that. Anyway, we'll take a quick break, folks. We'll be right back in part two. We're going to continue with Marcus Fallin in part two over at RedIceMembers.com. Sign up for a membership. It's only 10 bucks a month. It supports us and you get access to a ton of great stuff. Of course, Western Warrior exclusive videos, second hour of many of our interviews. You can also sign up over at Odyssey, odyssey.com slash at TV or through subscribestar.com slash RedEyes as well, whatever you prefer. Uh, that's some of the methods. You can also get a longer subscription if you want to get it down a little bit per month. So you get almost 35% uh, off or so if you get a two-year subscription. So that's a great way of doing it. We have some other tiers available as well, by the way. We have a plus tier for those of you who want to help us out with a little bit of extra each month. We also have a producer and an executive producer tier for those of you guys who want a shout out at the end of our shows and videos. We also want to get a little bit more input from you, of course, as producers. What kind of topics would you like us to cover? What guests do you want us to bring on? Uh, get a little bit more more uh, interactive, if you will, with that tier as well. So thank you so much to our executive producers, Tealothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Ubunga, Mongoose, William Fox, Angry White Soccer Mom, The Second Wanderer, Operation Werewolf, The Ride Never Ends, Francis Parker Yaki, Dill Bob, 
Last Place Simp, Joseph Hart, Purple Haze, and also JP. Thank you guys. Our producers, Mr. Walker696, Johansson, Leroy Dumond, Snark Pup, Eyes Open, Mr. Lemry, Yuri New, Obadiah Hexwell, Single Action Army, and George Porge. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you to all the members out there for ensuring that we can continue doing this. If you do not want a membership for some reason, but still want to support our work, uh, you can do that by sharing our videos, our clips, our shows, uh, and you can also donate, by the way, redeyes.tv slash donate. So thank you so much, everybody. We're going to be back here with part two with Marcus Foline or the golden one after a short break with a great conversation coming up here as well. More on Sweden, but we talk about some of the motivation as well. We talk about some myths and stories that we can take inspiration from. Uh, what does Marcus do? What kind of, uh, you know, approach does he take to some of the problems that we face? What can you look at historically to take inspiration? So anyway, a lot of good stuff coming up here in part two. Don't miss it. RedEyesMembers.com get a membership over there you can also get it at odyssey and subscribe star keep in mind we don't have any big sponsors we don't have any angel investors or venture capitalists moving in we don't have uh, commercials or ads or anything like that we're 100 dependent on you guys out there and you're the only ones that are keeping us alive so thank you so much everybody we'll see you on the other side of this break <laughs>